everybody and welcome to this episode of The Retirementals. I'm Abraham Okusoya and I am really excited about my guest today. Warren Schutz is a chartered wealth manager and director, is the author of The Money Plan and um, a multi-award-winning financial planner, a regular contributor to the press, including his weekly uh, column in the Sunday Mirror. Warren, welcome to Retirementals. Welcome, Abraham. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to be here with you. Well, you know, I've met a lot of people in, the, in, the, in this profession, Warren, and I have not met anyone as nearly uh, vibrant and enthusiastic as you are, you know, on the scale of um, sort of, what's the word? Um, <laughs> on the scale of one to 10, if, if Abraham is six, you are definitely nine. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself. <laughs> You're very kind, Abraham. You're very kind. Well, I get up every day and do a job that I love. I'm very lucky. I'm a financial planner. So what's not to be good about that? So, um, yeah, I'm very lucky. I've got a great life. Um, I live life by design and not default. It's one of our mantras with clients. And um, it's intentional living. And we live that and we preach that. And it's good stuff. So it's not because you're American or is it Canadian then? <laughs> it's my, fa my father's American. So my father's American. So um, I do have a bit of American genes in me that um, allow me to be a bit more um, extrovert than um, perhaps the British would be. But um, no, do you know what? Incredible. I think it's like, I I'm intentional about life and I kind of, I do my own planning and I focus on what I want. And I think when you work towards your outcomes and your goals and you, when you achieve them, it makes you feel good. So um, yeah, that, that's what it is. Live life by design, not default. Incredible. So let's take us right back. How did you find your way into this giant uh, profession of ours? Okay. So back in 1995, when I was 21 years old, um, I was looking for my career. I was going to go to university, do biochemistry, because I'm really interested in that kind of thing. Um, but I took a year out and I started studying accountancy. And I studied accountancy and I really enjoyed it. But there was something about it. It was a bit, bit boring, if I'm honest. Um, it was very retrospective looking at the past. And I came across a financial planner. He was working for a or financial advisor, should I say. He was working for a life assurance company. Um, and I thought, well, I'll give it a go. I was always interested in investments. So I got a, a work with him and I worked with him for about a year. And I then took a trip out to Hawaii to a financial conference. And it was when I was in Hawaii that I met a independent firm called Interalliance. And I just looked at what they were doing, the way they were doing, and it was just a different world from what I was used to. So um, I just pestered them, badgered them, got a job with them. I, w I lived near Swindon in Wiltshire, um, and I was working down in West Byfleet in Surrey. So that's how committed I was because these guys were just doing things differently and I really wanted to work with them. I worked with Interalliance for about five years and then I set up Lexington, um, set, set up Lexington in its earlier format uh, in 2000. And it was around about a bit early, that late 90s where I met Paul Etheridge and that was sort of the instigator for me. Uh, for those who are listening, don't know who Paul Etheridge is. Um, he was the arguably the founder of financial planning here in the UK is that he set up Presswood mm. Software, Truth Software. And um, 
that really put me on the right path from the early doors. So I didn't have all this, forgive the language, baggage of, you know, running a shoddy firm. We've been a financial planning firm pretty much from day one. And, um, and, and that's, you know, I think in a nutshell, that's the journey from, from, you know, when I first started to running Lexington now and, you know, 22, 23 years later, uh, we're still running Lexington and business is great and life's great. So incredible stuff. So tell us a little bit about Lexington, you know, you know, tell us a little bit about the firm, the clients, give us some metrics. I always ask people <laughs> about numbers. Uh, everyone fights me on it and then they tell me. So g give us a, 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 a sense of where the business is at today. Okay, so we're a true financial planning firm. Um, I laugh because everyone talks about assets under management. Yeah, that's what you really want to know. What's your AUM, Warren? And it, it's it's silly, really. It's frustrating because it's like asking an accountant, hey, how many tax returns do you do? Or a lawyer, uh, how many divorce cases do you do? It's just one element of the overall firm. But as humans, we like to compare ourselves. We like to judge ourselves and, and benchmark ourselves and pigeonhole and see, oh, where are we? And if we're, if we're competitive, we like to try and beat the next person. So if I know someone's got, you know, 50 AUM, then, you know, I'm going to try and work a bit harder and get a bit more than that. Um, I prefer metrics. So I prefer things like, you know, what are, what are you paying your planners? What is, what's your overhead ratio? What are your retained profits? That kind of thing. But to, to answer your question, um, I'm a sole planner. I'm the only one giving the advice at the moment, although I've got a guy starting doing it this year. We turn over just over a million. We've got just over a million, uh, 100 million under management. Um, we have about 25% retained profit. Our operating costs are about 45%. Uh, therefore, our planners receive about 30%. So in a nutshell, we look after about 100 or so families um, as well. So in a nutshell, that's kind of, you know, our metrics. Warren? I know you 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 talked about numbers and all this stuff, but I just want to pause and say it, it's incredible, right? And as you as you walk through those numbers, I literally have goosebumps on me because <laughs> you're solo. Ser seriously, for me, the reason I ask this, or, or part of the reason, not always. But the, the reason I, 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 I ask this number is I just get inspired. I get inspired by, you know, a, a guy, one man, you know, with, of course, a great support team behind you because you can't do it without them doing a million pounds in revenue. You are in that category. Very, yeah. very rare. And I have tried. I have spoken to a lot of financial planners, many um you know in that what i call the the one million pound uh solo solo planner apparently you got it in the car show us the cup come on show show me the cup <laughs> no uh, 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 my, my, uh, and you'll be talking about this at the uh advisor 3.0 and all that stuff but i think <clears throat> that you're you are certainly an inspiration to to me and to many advisors of course not everybody wants to get to a million pounds you know solo revenue but but incredibly you're doing this with um a, a great lifestyle will come come to all of your media and charitable um, um, outlets later on, but an incredibly uh, well done, my friend. Um, Thank you. It's, it's inspiring. 
And you know what? It, it, it's about getting a service that the clients want and then delivering that service and making sure that you're passionate about that service and you're congruent about it too. So in other words, it's all very well saying, okay, here's a financial planning service that we do. But if you're not doing the financial planning yourself on yourself, um, you're not going to really breed that. And clients don't want financial planning. They want what financial planning can give them. They want a great lifestyle. Um, so I, that's why I think financial planning is probably the best profession in the world because it enables us to live a wonderful life, help people live a wonderful life, um, and we're rewarded very well for it. Tell us a little bit about the lifestyle side of things. People always think or say to me, growing a business, um, you know, especially in the way that you do it, um, you know, involves some sort of sacrifice. If you're, or, or the association is, if you're going to be a, a great, um, you know, business and, 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 you know, high income business, then you've got to sacrifice uh, sacrifice your lifestyle in some shape or, or, or form. You wake up in the middle of the night thinking about revenue and clients or whatever. <laughs> is is that yeah. true? No, I don't think so. Don't get me wrong. When the markets are rocky um, and when you're going through a tough time financially in the markets, uh, you do have worries. It's not that you're worried about what you're doing isn't right, but you're more worried about, are my clients worrying? You know, what can I now do? proactively to make sure that they don't call me with a worry. So we try and communicate with our clients over 100 times a year, and we touch them before they're thinking about what we're going to tell them. Um, so we're sort of proactive. But I work um, 40 weeks of the year. Um, this year, I'm working slightly less, but 40 weeks of the year. So I take 12 weeks out of the office, um, and I work four-day wow. week, I work Monday to Thursday. Um, and, um, yeah, do you know, it, it's... It's just having structure, routine, having the processes and the systems uh, in place. And this is what I learned from Paul all those years ago. Um, it's not arguably something that I've kind of created. I have adapted what I learned with him, but just kind of brought it into 2022, 23 sort of time frame. Um, but it's just, yeah, having that process and working that process. Um, and yeah, it works well. I did my research on you. Here's a quote, right? I don't want to build the company to sell it or list it. I don't want to build, I don't want a big team of advisors nor to make acquisitions. That would be a nightmare. Um, I hope to die a financial planner and has no plan to sell. <laughs> no, I get goosebumps that. down my. I did say that, and I get goosebumps when you said that because <laughs> I mean that. It's like you know, hey, one of my passions at the moment is longevity. I'm really fascinated by longevity and how science is protracting, expand, extending our health span, not just our lifespan. So how we'll be more active in our 70s and 80s. And one of the things that they come up with is connection and purpose. And what better way to get that than delivering a financial planning service or working in your business that you absolutely love? Um, so I don't have any plans to sell. Um, don't get me wrong. It has crossed my mind. I've considered it. Um, but you know, when I look back, one of the things that stopped me doing it is like, what would I do? What would I do? When you have 12 weeks off the year, um, 
what else are you going to do with your time? You know, so we have no plans to sell. Um, I don't have plans to get bigger, although at the moment we are recruiting for another planner. Um, so I would like a team of three. I've got Lewis, who's a CFP, and we are recruiting for another planner to bring. Also, any listeners you're looking to join a good financial planning firm, please reach out and get in touch. And we want a, you know, a couple of more um, para planners to support them as well. Um, so they work in like three pods. But I think that's more camaraderie, sharing ideas and having continuity. Um, I don't look as young as you, Abraham, you know, but, you know, I'm getting older and I, I you know, I need to make sure I've got continuity and succession planning in place. So, um, you know, just trying to sort of build a bit more structure without getting too big. Um, we have a great team. We have a really nice, they're my friends, the people I work with. I really like them. I love them. They're my friends. I owe a lot to them. And, um, yeah, they help me deliver this service to our clients that we're doing. You're still a young man, right? Uh, you know, as you said, not as young as me and as good look. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool, I, you know. I, I, I put my good looking, good looks down to my skin color. Black don't crack and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so some people are flipping out on this podcast. I think people listening, listeners want what is he on about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll get I'll get to the point. I'll get to the point. Um, you're, you're still a young man, but how do you think about this issue of, you know, succession um, for a firm, for the, for, the, for the sake of the client, you know, especially if you have no intention of selling in the in the traditional way how, how are you thinking about that i know it's still a long way off and yeah. things change yeah yeah so so for lexington my my aim for succession planning is to have these other planners run the firm right. does that make sense so there i will as i said almost like die in my seat or you know when i'm not adding more value to my clients than they're receiving then it's time for me to hang up my coat does that make sense so it's not that i just yes. adamant that i'm gonna stay here in my seat into my 70s and 80s but when my clients sort of are not getting the passion, not getting the value from me, or perhaps when I'm not taking on the next generation of client, I then need to sort of say, okay, it's time for me to take a bit more of a backseat and do something different. Um, but from a succession plan, my aim is to have the other planners work within the firm and for them to carry on um, Lexington. You know, why can't Lexington be a hundred year old firm? What stops it being a hundred year old financial planning firm? Because investments, product purchase that's a commodity you know, we can get that super cheap and over time it's going to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and with ai things are becoming go more slick and more efficient but you can't tell me a computer is going to be passionate and enthusiastic and prod the client and really just get them to think about how they want to live the rest of their life that is what a human does that's connection that's human to human and it's about saying, you know, how do you want to live the rest of your life? What regrets are you going to have if you digest today? You know, what is it? And just trying to get them to move a little bit. So that's really, you know, and I, I don't get me wrong, I know there's going to come a time when I'm not able to do that cognitively or through energy and stuff. And maybe that's the time to step back. And that's why I'm putting the plan in place now. So I've got these guys working with me. So they continue with it they don't just dip into financial planning or sell it as a product oh, okay i can give you a cash flow forecast they deliver true financial planning
You're listening to Retirementals. I'm here to tell you all about Advisor 3.0 Change Agents. The must attend conference for financial planners is happening in London on the 18th of May 2023. Sizzling keynote speakers include Baroness Karen Brady, CBE, and the legend that is Seth Godin, plus Ola Abdul and Sean Hegarty. Co-hosted by Abraham Okasanya and Robin Wigglesworth, guests can enjoy insightful, interactive panels, debates, networking, Q&A sessions, and so, so much more. Grab them now at www.timeline.co forward slash advisor 3.0. Let's, let's talk about your media presence. You're a media tart, my friend. A very good one. <laughs> Um, you know, a column in the Sunday Mirror, as well as appearance on the BBC, The yeah. Sun, Daily Telegraph, you know, just to name a few. How, how did this come about? And how do you think about, you know, your your media side of, of the business? <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> about, about five years ago, it might have been a little bit longer, I realized that not only were my clients getting wealthier because of the work we were doing with them, but the prospects that were coming through the door to see me were wealthier than they were in the original days. Right. And although they're really nice people, they all of my clients are lovely people, it didn't quite sit right with me, you know, because I didn't come from money. And when I grew up, it was earning the money and creating the money. And I thought there are thousands of people out there who want the help of a good financial planner but they either don't earn enough or have enough or don't maybe have the confidence to knock on the door. So I thought, well, okay, I can't realistically meet with these individuals face to face. So how can I give them a financial planning service and help them benefit from the good that a financial planner does? So I initially set up my Warren Shoot website, which is basically an education tool to give people information tools how to manage their money better. Um, I set up Lexo, which is an online investment platform, so clients can go there and invest in the products, pretty much what I do with my clients. And then I wrote The Money Plan, the book. And I set myself a goal, and the goal was to help 1 million people create financial freedom. And when I say financial freedom, I don't mean freedom as in, you know, 10 million pounds, for example. I mean, freedom from the worries of money. So they can go to sleep at night and say, okay, I can afford my bills tomorrow. I can afford that two week holiday. I've got money going away for my retirement. My kids know debt's bad. And they just got good money habits. Um, and the media loved it. The media really liked it. And I got, a, I get a lot of um, uh, enthusiasm, passion, reward from it. And um, it, yeah, like I said, it got me on BBC, got me on ITV Tonight Show, and um, I had a regular slot on Bloomberg, BBC Radio. It, it's it's what the the consumer wants. The consumer wants good financial information from someone who's qualified to deliver it, not some journalist who just writes about it. Okay, and um, now the flip side is. You can't afford to do that as a practice. And if you're at a budding financial planner thinking, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get a whole bunch of referrals in. You don't, okay? In, in, it's not a prospecting tool. So I don't do this. I don't write a column in the Sunday Mirror um, for leads to come through my door. 
I write it as a pro bono to give back to say, hey, I genuinely feel very grateful, very privileged. I've got a great practice. I have a good level of um, income. I have a good standard of life. It's time to give back. Um, and after 20 plus years in the business, if you can't start giving back and helping other people, then when can you? When's the right time to do it? So, it's incredible. Uh, I like the way you frame it because every, you know, when I, when people talk to me about these things, they say, uh, but do you get client from it? You know, so, so the way I, I, as you were talking about, the way I'm thinking about this is that your media presence isn't, or your success as a financial planner and a businessman isn't as a result of your media presence, right? It didn't come no. because you had, yeah, right, right. So your media presence is more of a product of yeah. your, uh, I mean, does he help in any way? So say, say he doesn't bring clients or other than the sort of the, you know, joy and satisfaction that you derive in, in helping others, which is huge, right? Yeah. Does he give <clears throat> further credibility with clients than you, you might otherwise have or, or anything like that? Do you know what? Generally, I don't think so. I think clients are very simple people. You know, they want someone they can trust and they want someone who's going to give them a vision of the future and help them achieve that vision of the future. I'm not so sure that they're really what, hey, look, all you got to do is look at St. James's Place. You know, they do tremendously well and, mm. you know, they're just, they just got trust with their clients and they're helping them to achieve something. Um, so I'm not sure that the clients really um, worry or think about it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I got to say, I didn't necessarily notice my business take off when I started doing it. Um, so yeah, I guess from that metric, I wouldn't say. But I think it's nice you know, if you are listening to this as a financial planner, um, contribute to your society, contribute at least to your community. So contact your local press, start writing, giving them articles and columns and things so they can publish it. Not that, oh, don't ask them what they want. Tell them, you know, this could be published. Um, tax sharing, excuse me, tax sharing coming up. There's loads of things that people can write about. Um, election next year, loads of things people can write about. There's a, and that will get you in the door and do it from the right place though. Do it from the place of, okay, I'm giving back to my community. Don't do it from the case of, okay, I'm now going to expect clients to come through the door. Um, and I think anybody listening to this can afford one day a month, you know, one day a month to write for the local community press, go and deliver talks to schools, something else that I do, um, go and just, you know, do a local presentation in the village hall about estate planning or something. Um, and it will improve you as an individual because I, you know, there's an old adage, isn't it? When you teach, you learn something more. And I think it's true. When I wrote the money plan, it really solidified what I do for my clients. So the money plan, the book that I wrote basically is the journey that I take my clients through. And ironically, the first third of the book is all about them. How do you want to live the rest of your life? It's all about their goals, their outcomes, what they want to achieve. And that's what financial planning is. And investment is arguably the thinnest part. It's probably about 10 pages right at the very end. And it just takes them through the steps. So if you're a budding financial planner thinking, okay, how do I sort of get on this journey? Pick up the money plan. It's, you can buy it secondhand now. It's not a sale punch. It's more of a case of it takes you through the steps that I use with my clients um, from start to finish. And a bit more of a simplest form, admittedly, but um, yeah, it does the journey. 
Good stuff. So let's talk about that boring stuff, investment then. Investment, what, what do you do? What, what does your investment process look like? So we are um, passive. Um, we don't have massive tilts, um, primarily dimensional. We have a little Vanguard in there and we're ESG is a default. So um, we like equity. We try and encourage clients to take more equity. Our, you know, obviously it's, it's risk determinant, but our kind of default aim of a portfolio is around about the 80% equity, um, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it's plain vanilla, nothing exciting. We've been using that sort of method now since about 2001, 2002, the early days when Dimensional came over and they'd only have their um, target fund. So the small cap in value, we'd mix that with the LNG index fund and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so that, that, that's our, that's our investment philosophy. Very plain, simple, um, you know, passive, globally weighted diversified short-term fixed income um uh, we have an esg screen on our default funds we do offer non-esg but on our default funds so you, you mentioned earlier the the d2c thing lexo which you started in 2005 oh is it 2005 2015 i can't remember uh no, no um 15 ish yeah 2015 yeah so so Talk, talk a little bit about that. Is that, have you learned anything from that, that process? Is it yeah. um, a key growth area? What, 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 what is it that you take away from, yeah, from that? Uh, if I could wind back the clock, I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's okay. Right. It's all right. It's not a key. It's not a key. Well, everyone's got mistakes, right? Everyone's got mistakes in life and stuff like that. And it's about being honest. Um, it's definitely not a key growth area. Um, it, it's an outlet. So when I receive an inquiry in and I can't help that individual financially, i.e. they can't afford our fees, I want to be able to help them as an individual. I don't just want to put, turn them away. So I now have an outlet. I can say, okay, look, go and get the money plan book. If you want to invest, there's all our portfolios on Lexo. You can go on there and place the investment yourself. Um, and then I also send them to the CISI Wayfinder. So I've kind of got an outlet, which is very, very nice. Um, but yeah, again, do you know, it's probably not what your listeners want to hear, but what delivers you satisfaction and what delivers you profit is delivering a good financial planning service. Um, I thought when I set up Lexo that it would be a great avenue. I was actually concerned in the early days that clients might want to move their assets on there because it's cheaper um, and stuff like that. But nothing is, oh. you know, it, it, it's just, it just, um, it just sits there and takes on a few hundred thousand pounds a year. It doesn't even take on millions. It's not a big outfit. I mean, it's, you know, kudos to you for, for, for actually trying it out. You know, I, for, for a couple of things. So first is I wrote an article, probably, I can't remember now, must be 2014 about why financial planners shouldn't bother with this sort of direct to consumer type um propositions mm. right but i am glad that you try this out and you 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 know if if someone's going to create um kind of media personality you know media presence as you do you're going to get lots and lots of people who yeah. come <laughs> to you that you can't help and so send them there some might you know many won't take you up on on that offer some would 
And this to me is business and entrepreneurship, right? If I told you how many things I had started that never worked, that never took off, <laughs> well, um, we haven't got enough time just to cover, uh, you know, how many bodies are buried in Abraham's graveyard of failures. So, uh, but that's what entrepreneurship is all about. Yeah, it, it is, it is. And um, hey, look, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much into helping those people who want to help themselves. Okay, so mm-hmm. if you want to help, I'm willing to help you. And um, what I wanted to have is an outlet for when these inquiries came through, I could then pass them on the inquiry truth of the book, they could pass them on some of that. And you're right, it goes through peak and trough. If I'm on the TV or something, there'll be a bit of a spike on it. Um, and but when I'm not, then it, it tends to be a bit more sort of quieter. But um, but hey, it's there, it ticks over, and I'm glad I've done it, and I'm glad I've got it. Um, but arguably, I wouldn't bother doing it again. And because you haven't got enough to do in your four out of five days a week, and you know, while still being on BBC and writing a book and doing a podcast, you've got your financial planner coaching program that yeah. you have just launched. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, do you know, I, I never thought there was any point in running a coaching program. And it's a bit ironic, really, because that's how I learned, um, because there's so, there's so many guys out there doing it. So I thought, oh, dear, let, let them all do it. I'll focus on the outside world. I'll focus on the general public. But um, Presswood asked me, or Truth Software asked me to do a webinar for them on how I run my practice. So I did this webinar and I was almost inundated, or should I say dozens and dozens of calls and emails saying, hey, can we catch up? Can you explain this? And on the back of that, I just sort of sat my wife and sort of said, you know, maybe there's something in this. Maybe like I learned from Paul, people would like to learn from me on how I do things. Um, so when I spoke to a few of them, I explained what I was planning to do. So I've now launched the, um, pre- uh, the um, Lexington uh, Planners Coaching Program. And it basically just gives you everything that I do. So um, we don't ask you to commit for three years, but it's run over, the full program's run over a three-year period. It's run quarterly. It's run here in my office. Um, and we divulge everything that I do, everything from the, you know, the goal setting, the outcomes, through just the initial meeting, investments, planning meeting, how we operate our firm, the financials, everything like that. So it's almost like a planning firm in a box we refer to it as lexington in a box here um so that people can pick up and they'll get an operations manual on okay well look this checklist now i guess the downside is it's for lexington so if you don't use transact as a platform and you're not passive then you just have to tweak it but if you use transact in, in your passive in your approach and especially if you use truth you can just really pick up and say okay well look this is the wording i send to my client after a discovery call um, this is the wording I send after my investment process. This is my investment philosophy. Um, so they can do it that way. Or they can pick and choose the bits they want. But, you know, I'm loving it. I'm actually really, really enjoying it. And the feedback from the guys who are on it at the moment really, really is good. Um, they're really like, it's still early stages. Um, but, um, yeah, it's quite exciting. It's quite exciting. I'm liking it. Cool. Uh, and in terms of the the kind of, you know, planners, advisors you are attracting Uh, with this? Do they tend to be people, um, you know, who own their own businesses or work within um, other businesses? Do they tend to be sort of later in their career, earlier in their career? How how do you see this um, broadly? John, there's there's a bit of a mix, really. Um, Most of them own their own businesses. 
um, and most of them have been doing it for some time. Um, right. They're not sort of straight off the bat. But if you listen, if you remember back to the right at the beginning of the podcast, I said, I think one of the best things that I did was meet Paul right at the early mm. stage of my career because I had no baggage. I just, okay, well, this is how we do it. I didn't really know what to do or have a route to follow. Um, and he said, well, look, this is the letter you send. This is how you gain clients. This is how you do a planning meeting. And we literally just followed um, what he did. And that's why we have what, what we've got now. So yes, most of the clients, most of the participants who come on are um, a bit more in their career. They might be transitioning into planning. They might've been doing other things. Um, but arguably, if I was new recruit, if I could afford it, then I would jump on and, and do it straight away because I think it just gives you a track to run on. Incredible stuff. No, I mean, I think our, our profession owes a lot to you know people like Paul Etheridge, and it's great to see you and, and others carry on um, the, the, the torch. So I want to start wrapping this up. I've enjoyed our conversation. We can go on and on, but my producer <laughs> is going to... Uh, not be very happy. So let, let's wrap this up then. So, you know, thinking about where you are today and, you know, what the future looks like from here for, for the business and, and for you personally, you know, where do you see this going? Where do you see you take the business? Um, I'm, I'm incredibly yeah. excited. I'm ex incredibly excited about chat GPT and about mm -hmm. AI and what that can do for the financial planning profession. Because when I started, and if you're new to planning guys listening, you, you, you might be surprised at this, but we used to have to phone up to get illustrations. And because we didn't quite know what our client wanted to do, we would order varieties of illustrations. And often the next day, sometimes the day after, a big thud would come through the door and it would be your wad of illustrations and quotes come through from the provider and then we would spend literally hours sifting through it putting tables together stuff like that and it was a nightmare if you go forward to today well we do all the quotes we want we can tweak them and we just print off what we need um if we project forward on what the technology is doing um we're even um trialing the um virtual reality with clients. So we're trialing VR. Um, I admit it's more of a carrot sort of excitement thing rather than, I'm not sure at the moment it's gonna be practical, but for us to engage the children of our clients, which is really important to us because we know what they're gonna inherit, we gotta meet them in their world. Um, it's not necessarily expected for them to come into ours. So we're trialing virtual reality with our, um, with our clients, we've got VR, we're excited about ChatGPT, we're excited about AI, and how it's all developing. So the future of the business, I think has never been better because we're now starting from a mature base and we're gonna grow. So if you've come into this profession thinking oh, all the good days were in the past, I think all the good days are ahead of us. It's fantastic. And people are living longer too. Um, with the advancements of medicine and health treatments, I think they get people are gonna need financial planning coaching. So I think that's exciting for Lexington. We've got an ambition to take on at least another one, maybe another two planners um, and a, a couple more power planners to support them and support staff. Um, and then keep doing more of what we're doing, keep tweaking it, keep tweaking it, improving um, and helping our clients live life like by design and not default. You know, it's just, um, and have fun while you're doing it. I think that's the main thing. You know, it's like we get one shot at this life and we spend a lot of our time in the office working. I think it's important that we enjoy what we're doing when we're there. Um, and not see work and home as sort of separate and 
and uh, arguably different things, but more just actually, this is life. This is what we do. Inspiring stuff. Warren Shoot, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much, Aaron. I appreciate it. Take care. I'll be remiss if I don't thank my incredible team who worked very hard to put this program together. Thank you, thank you very much guys. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Timeline Retirement Planning Software and Pytech Low Cost Flat Fee Model Portfolio Manager. And to you, our listeners, thank you for your time. I hope you've had as much fun listening to the program as we have making it. You can find more about the show at retirementals.co.uk and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is Abraham on Money. Until next time, thank you. I'm here to tell you all about Advisor 3.0 Change Agents. The must attend conference for financial planners is happening in London on 18th of May 2023. Sizzling keynote speakers include Baroness Karen Brady, CBE, and the legend that is Seth Godin, plus Ola Abdul and Sean Hegarty. Co-hosted by Abraham Akasanya and Robin Wigglesworth, guests can enjoy an insightful interactive panels, debates, networking, Q&A sessions, and so, so much more. Grab them now at www.timeline.co forward slash advisor 3.0.